Okay, good evening and welcome to the July 2022 meeting of the San Francisco Animal Commission. My name is Michael Angelo Torres and I am your commission chairperson. We continue to hold our meetings remotely due to the ongoing COVID-19 health emergency and based on recommendations issued by our city and state governments regarding remote meetings. For those of you who are interested in how our commission works or serving on this commission, that information is on our new website at sf.gov forward slash animal commission. On our website, you will also find the agendas, minutes and supporting documents from our previous meetings, as well as audio and video of previous meetings, including our May 2022 meetings, informative presentation on the rehabilitation of orphaned and injured wildlife with Leah Talcott-Travis, the director of Eggdrossel Urban Wildlife Rescue. So please check out our website at sf.gov forward slash animal commission. Members of the public who wish to comment during the meeting can call 415-655-0003 and use access code 2458-859-0552. Please make your comments in accordance with the agenda. Uh, Commissioner Tobin, could you please take roll from the list of names signed on to the meeting? Yes, uh, these are the people I see signed on to the meeting. Uh, Chair Torres, Vice Chair Ozernoy, Commissioner Chan, Commissioner Fortier, Commissioner Irani, and Commissioner Tobin. We expect Brian Van Horn later, so I'll check in on that. Um, also in attendance is Dr. Sherry O'Neill from San Francisco Animal Care and Control. Um, not in attendance is Officer Joe Majeski from the San Francisco Police Department, nor Christopher Campbell from SF Rec and Park. I actually see Christopher just popped on, so he is here. Oh, yes. Ah, there you are, Christopher. Christopher. You're in. Okay. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you for thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Then moving on to uh, general public comment. Uh, at this time, members of the public may address the commission with comments on items within the commission's jurisdiction, other than items already on the agenda. As with our previous meetings, I will be facilitating the public comment periods at tonight's meeting. Members of the public who wish to make a comment should hit star three on their phone to be added to the speaker's queue. I will unmute your phone line when it's your turn to speak. When prompted, you will have two minutes to make a comment. Please be aware that after your two minutes have passed, your phone line will be muted again, and I will go on to the next caller. It looks like we have one caller. Uh-oh. We've lost our chairperson. Could we have our vice chairperson um, take over temporarily? Do you think we could do that? I would love to, but I can't control the um, I can't control the WebEx. Um, I would suggest we move on to the approval of the draft meeting minutes from yeah. 
in June, since that's an action item we can act on now. Yeah. And then uh, I, I do see two callers um, in the queue right now, um, but I I don't have the unfortunately the the control of the WebEx. Okay, so let's move on to the next item, and then we can come back to general comment yeah. or public comment. Is that okay? Totally. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, approval of the draft minutes from the we're going to the June wait the May and the June meetings. Um, and I did have a comment about um, this is the June meeting under old business. The first um, paragraph, Commissioner Tobin asked about the increased log dog population. I think that's supposed to be large dog. Yes. Sorry. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If we could correct that, mm -hmm. please. Otherwise, um, I'm okay with approving from here if anyone else had anything to add. No. Um, let's see, uh, I move to approve the meeting minutes with the edit in June. Anyone second? I second the motion. Okay. And um, when I call your name, let me know if you approve this as well. Uh, Anne Marie Fortier. Approved. Yes. Uh, Irina Ozenoy. Approved. Iris Chan. Approved. Nina Arani. Approved. And I don't see Brian Van Horn and Sherry, you don't vote on this. So the meeting minutes have been approved with an edit in June. It, okay, noted. Um. I texted Michael, but I, uh, to see what's happened. Um, I guess we can try to move on to chairpersons and commissioners reports. And we will for sure callers, uh, address your comments as soon as Michael returns and can um take control of the webex are there any commissioner reports oh i made you the host sorry wait can i wonder if there's any uh, can i can i somehow unmute the callers or um, yes. you know what i can't i think we can unmute the callers Okay. Um, so, sorry, uh, caller number one, I will unmute you. Um, you have two minutes to make a comment. After two minutes, uh, you will be muted. So, I think you can speak now. Or, no, I can't unmute you. <laughs> oh, no. So, even as the host, I don't have the ability to unmute the callers. Okay, shall we move on then to commissioners and uh, yeah, chairperson's report? Yeah, let's just do commissioners and, and chairperson report. Does do anybody have, have anything? I actually do have a little bit of uh, 
uh, an announcement, which is that this Saturday, um, July 16th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., there's a free neighborhood STEM festival, science, technology, engineering, and math at the Potero Hill neighborhood house and surrounding block. Hey, everyone, I apologize oh. for that. Sorry, it's, our internet went out. Um, luckily, we had a backup. So again, I am really sorry about that. Let's go back to public. Are there any okay. questions or anything before I thank you for um, everyone for your patience? Let me just double check. Okay, the recording is still going on. Okay, but well, let's go back to public comment. Uh, see, uh, Allison, we just talked about all the different things. This is a good example. So, anyways, again, I appreciate everybody's patience. Okay, uh, we are going to go back to public comment. I am going to go ahead and set up for to accept a comment right now. Okay, thank you for your patience. You can speak now, please. Thank you. Am I on? Yes, you are. I apologize for the delay. Oh, okay, thank you. My name is Nadine May. I'm a native of San Francisco and have been involved in doing trap neuter return and rescuing ferals for over 20 years. Some of you may not know that 30 years ago, there were hundreds of cats in Golden Gate Park. It's where people dumped cats. Devoted volunteers started trapping them to get them fixed. And thankfully in 1993, the SPCA established their free feral fix program. The result of TNR in our city almost always done by volunteers who don't get paid a dime for their time and work is that there are very, very few cats in Golden Gate Park. And five years ago, San Francisco had gotten very close to zero population growth for ferals. There was a system that worked. Members of the public called ACC or SPCA. They called volunteers. They went out and trapped moms and kittens. ACC, SPCA, volunteers worked closely with members of the public. In 2019, it started to fall apart and we have come to a low point. ACC and SPCA now have very strict policies regarding intake of kittens, and ACC is now not accepting stray cats. San Francisco was once in the vanguard, and now we're going backwards. Putting unfixed cats and kittens back on the street means that we will once again have a huge population of feral cats, and we'll end up like shelters in the Central Valley. Is that where we want to go? And why did these policies change? It doesn't make any sense. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Okay, we're going to go on to the next uh, speaker. Thank you for the delay. Thank you for your patience during the delay. You're ready to speak. If you're ready to speak, you can speak now. Hi, this is Elva Granite. I'd like to offer solutions so that ACC goes back to fulfilling the mission statement and code of ethics rather than continuing to move far away from them. Return to what was successfully done in the past. Stop making it difficult for members of the public to turn in abandoned and lost cats and dogs. Better support volunteer trappers with spay-neuter services. Bring back and fully support the past feral cat nursing mother and kitten program that was hobbled at the start of kitten season in 2019. Stop changing the criteria and ages that kittens can be turned in for socialization. Stick to three to four months and younger. 
have a reasonable flexible time turnaround criteria within the shelter so cats can be adequately socialized for successful adoption. Have a more uniform way of behavior testing cats with a certified cat behaviorist vet or vet tech who trains cat testers. Have that behaviorist train medical staff, officers, and ACAs to handle fractious cats and appropriately behave when intaking and processing cats and kittens, both fractious and docile. Hey, everyone, I apologize for that. Um, I'm going to go back to caller number five. Okay, I'm sorry about that again. Hopefully now we're back. I'm back on my regular provider. So I'm hoping that that'll be the last of the problems. Again, I apologize to everybody. So uh, speaker five, if you wanna go ahead and speak, go back to your comment, I apologize again. Thank you. Caller, are you there? I think we heard everyone who was in queue. Okay, so we're fine. Uh, I think there's still one more caller, Anne Marie. There's still yeah, another there is person. One more. Okay. Um, it sounds like you've unmuted Elva, and I had one last sentence to give. Is this correct? Uh, so. Okay, so you're. Are you the one that I that was speaking when we were having the. But I was having the internet problem or the connection problem. Did you do you still have a um, comment to make or continue it? And I apologize again. I just yeah, I just had one last thing to add. I was offering solutions. Okay. Yes. Um, my last, okay. My last solution was stop discarding valuable volunteers like me who respectfully advocate for change. Recognize that just because volunteers are not employees, they may have past professional experience or have developed skills that can be shared with official employees. We're also, we're all supposed to be part of a team. Thank you. Thank you again for your comment. And again, I apologize for the inconvenience with the connectivity. Okay, this is our last um, public speaker. Okay, you can offer your comments and again, thank you for your patience. Hi, this is Maria. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay, great. This is Maria Conlin. I'm with uh, Gimme Shelter Cat Rescue. Um, just a suggestion. I don't know if it's possible to make a chat or something for people that are in this um, that are trying to call in because it's not the first time that I've not been able to get through. So maybe there's a chat to say that we could enable for people that are participants. So we could let you know sometimes that um, sometimes WebEx offers that feature. Anyways, that's not what my comment was about, but I wanted to um, just a recommendation. That way, if we are not able to get through, we can communicate that to you. Um, there was a kitten rescue that was featured on the animal care and control social media. The kitten was rescued. Um, the kitten was in peril, stuck in a pipe or something like that. The animal control officer was able to get the kitten out. Thankfully, the kitten was, the, there was a photograph of the animal control officer with the kitten in her hands. So obviously the kitten was friendly. I, I would guess that the kitten was probably three to four months if I had to, just from the photograph. 
and um, it was not confirmed. And the executive director of ACC, they put a comment on there from her that it was not confirmed that the kitten was spayed or neutered. The kitten was not checked for a ship. Chip, the kitten was not taken to the shelter. The kitten was let go. So the kitten was already gotten itself into a perilous situation where it could have died. And then they let the kitten go. I mean, I don't know why ACC is going back to these regressive policies and why this kitten would have been re-released -re outside because we don't even know if the kitten's spayed or neutered. And then the cat, you know, it's just like Nadine said, the cat population is gonna explode. I mean, just watch what's gonna happen. Kittens can have, you know, three to nine to more kittens and then they start to procreate and have kittens. That kitten's gonna have kittens and, or start adding to the kitten population in if it survives in, you know, at six months, right? So um, there are no low cost solutions in place for low cost bay neuter for the members of the community to take the cats in that ACC is not taking in, cats or kittens. It is a tax funded open admission shelter. This is, I personally think this is a neglect of the duty of the shelter to not do it. And it was cruel to actually leave the kitten outside. We were criticized for criticizing the shelter on our comments on social media. And nobody's criticizing the animal control officer directly. It's more the policies that are in place that it would be right to leave this kitten outside. It is simply a neglect of their duty. So I'm looking forward to this being on the agenda next month. Thank you for that opportunity for us to speak more about this and have more of a conversation. Thank you. Okay, thank you everyone for your comments. And again, I apologize for uh, the connectivity issues. Okay, so going on to uh, item number three, which is the approval of draft minutes from the May 2022 and June 2022 meetings. Uh, the draft minute documents for our May and June meetings were distributed to the commission earlier this week. And I believe everyone has had a chance to review them. We'll be voting on both documents tonight. Uh, first, the draft minutes from the May meeting, followed by the draft minutes for the June meeting. So starting with the May minutes, uh, are there any questions, comments, or corrections to the draft minutes for the May meeting before voting? Yes, we've already done this while you were out when you didn't have internet connections. So we can, we can uh, skip to chairpersons and commissioners' reports. Okay. And uh, just for my, uh, both um, were the minutes approved as is? The minutes were approved as is with the exception of one small edit on the June to turn it from. There was a, a typo. It's large dogs. It was. Forget the item number, but I will change that and I'll change it it forward to me. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. So, moving on to chairpersons and commissioners reports. Uh, commissioner reports regarding recent activities in the community involving animal issues that have been discussed by the commission in the past. Are there any reports to share? Um, I was just, uh, it's, uh, I was just making an announcement about the STEM Saturday event um, on this Saturday, July 16th from 11 to 4 in Potrero Hill, um, which is a free event um, that is going to have several animal related organizations represented, inclu including Save Nature, Palomacy, and Igrizil Urban Wildlife Rescue. Um, so come on down to Potrero Hill for free, and uh, there's other organizations that are going to be there. Um, 
around science, engineering, technology, physics, math, medicine, but it's a free, uh, a wonderful way to sort of uh, check out uh, the community and uh, talk to some young people who are interested in animals. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Ozuna. Can you repeat what the uh, event is? Yes, it is STEM Saturday, a science and technology festival benefiting the Potrero Hill Neighborhood House. It's 11 to 4 outside at in Potrero Hill at 953 De and the block around it. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay. Uh, okay. So thank you. Uh, is there any other reports to share or any other, anything else? Okay. Uh, seeing none, let's move on to new business. Uh, blue traps. Uh, the commission will discuss recent legislation and other actions concerning blue traps. Joining us uh, tonight is Allison Hermans, Director of Communications and Marketing at Wildcare, who will share her presentation, The Case Against Blue Traps, Perspectives from Wildcare Wildlife Hospital. Uh, we're all very excited to welcome Allison back uh, to our meeting this evening, and it's great to see her here again. Uh, Commissioner Rosenoy, please go ahead with introducing this item. Yes, uh, I'm really excited to, uh, as uh, Chair Torres uh, said, uh, introduce Allison Hermans, Hermans, Hermans. Either way, okay, from work. from Wildcare. Um, the glue trap issue is one that has been uh, in the news quite a quite a bit recently, as a lot of organizations and uh, major retailers have uh, begun the process of no longer carrying these absolutely inhumane um, methods of pest control. And I think one of the things that uh, people who just sort of buy one of these at the store for, don't realize is the immense amount of collateral damage that comes in the form of non-target animals becoming entangled with the glue trap. Um, I'm very excited to hear uh, Allison's presentation because I know it's going to open up our eyes even more about just the, the damage that, that it causes. Um, and uh, then we can discuss what other uh, cities, states, countries, um, and uh, organizations are doing to prevent this from happening. So without further ado, I've made you the presenter. Um, take it away. Excellent. I'm going to hit share on my PowerPoint here. Allison, I believe you muted yourself. I, yeah, I didn't mean to. Yeah. I, I, can you hear me now? Okay. Fantastic. I won't touch anything. Um, great. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. Irena, thank you so much for the opportunity to all of you commissioners. It's This is a great opportunity to talk to you about something that I am sure we are in agreement about for the most part, but I think it's an opportunity to share some really, really great information with a wider audience. So I'm extremely glad to have the opportunity. Um, again, I am Allison Hermans. I am the Director of Communications at Wildcare, and Wildcare is a wildlife hospital and nature education center and wildlife advocacy organization located in San Rafael. And Wildcare is a whole cycle of programs that all work together 
with the goal of help, helping people live well with wildlife, with the goal of helping people navigate the boundary where animals and wildlife come into contact with each other. And we have a lot of environmental education programs. We have our wildlife hospital. We have wildlife advocacy. This uh, glue trap issue kind of fits into all of those. And, and again, that's a good example of how all of our programs integrate to really help animals also help people and really help that boundary where the two come into contact with each other. So our wildlife hospital is located in San Rafael. If you find an injured or orphaned wild, wild animal, um, please absolutely bring him to wild care and we can uh, do our best to bring him back to health and release him back into the wild. That's always the goal of what we do. In our location here, we have been caring for animals since the early 70s, 1974. We treated over 3,600 animals last year in 2021. We're on track to treat more this year. So it's uh, usually between 3,500 and 4,000 animals a year that we treat in the wildlife hospital. And that's over 200 species. I counted one time and I think we treat like 231 different species of animals. So it's a crazy, it's a crazy place around here, especially now during baby season. And the fact is that at least 90%, maybe 95%, maybe even higher than that, the number percentage of animals that come into wild cares wildlife hospital that are admitted because of negative interactions with humans our stuff our pets that negative interaction with people and of course that brings us to one of the most exceedingly negative ways that humans and animals come into contact with each other and that is glue and sticky traps and you know it's funny if you if you didn't know better, if you didn't think about it, if you really were just worried about the rodent problem that you had, you might look at these things and think, oh, you know, maybe that is kind of a good option, right? Maybe we do want to use this, right? So like, you know, it's got things on its labeling. It says it's non-toxic. Well, I know I'm not supposed to use poison because it poisons the hawks and the owls. So, okay, it's non-toxic. That's good. Ready to use. Great. I don't want to have to work that hard. Sure. Captures mice and insects. Definitely don't want those around. So let's go ahead and capture those. Sounds great. And oh look, you can use it as a flat or a covered trap. If you didn't know any better, you could kind of see how somebody might think this would be a viable option. But what we see in the wildlife hospital at Wildcare is the exact diametrical opposite of a safe, non-toxic, somehow strangely benign trapping alternative. It, uh, it absolutely isn't. So of the 100 animals that we admitted during the period since 2017, we had 65 were birds, 26 were mammals, and nine were reptiles. And I want to do a brief shout out to Maya Feldman right now. Maya, we're going to be working with Maya Wildcare, and actually some of the other local organizations are going to be working with Maya on the issues of glue trap. Maya is getting her master's in wildlife conservation and management and at Unity College. And I'm very grateful to her for putting together some charts and some other information for me. So you'll be hearing more from Maya as we move forward with this project. Um, of awareness about the horrors of glue traps. Um, of the animals that Wild Care admitted, we had a 56, almost 57% survival from the bird species. We had 65% of our mammals survived and 77% of our reptiles survived. It's actually easier to get a reptile off a glue trap than it is to get most other types of animals. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, Maya, who's been working with the other organizations in the Bay Area says that our statistics are mildly better than some of the other centers, but they're still absolutely awful. And remember, these are the animals that were found and brought to wild care. When you imagine the number of animals stuck on glue traps that are left to die slowly and horribly around the city, around the state, and around the world, it just breaks my heart.
And I apologize in advance for the pictures. Uh, I do want to point out to everyone that I made a point in this presentation to use photos of animals that I know survived. So hopefully that makes these a little bit easier to look at, but it is, well, they speak for themselves. The fact is the glue itself doesn't kill the animal. If you put out a glue trap, there is nothing on that trap that's going to kill the animal. The only thing that kills the animal is that the animal is stuck and can't move. So he dies of exposure, dehydration, stress, terror. If he's lucky, he might die from suffocation when his face gets stuck in it, stuck in it right? Um, they can die from the injuries of trying to escape from the trap. You'll see animals breaking feathers, tearing out fur, breaking bones, even chewing off their own limbs, trying to get out of these traps. This idea of being, I remember when I went to the tar pits and La Brea tar pits and thinking how awful it would be to be stuck in that. And, and that's what these animals experience with their limbs stuck as they struggle, they get more and more stuck. It's, it is absolutely horrifying. And again, with the photos, the only way to really show the horror of a glue trap is to show animals actually stuck on them. So I apologize in advance for the, for the gruesome nature of a lot of these pictures. These animals, again, in the photos that I've chosen did survive, but of course the vast majority don't. Death can take days. It's since there's nothing on the trap that's actually going to kill the animal, it can take days to die like this. Uh, even more horrifying, the labels on glue trap manufacturing, many of them say that all you have to do is once the animal's stuck to it, take the trap and toss it in the trash. You're taking a live animal stuck to something and throwing him in your garbage can. I do not have any idea how that would seem like a logical thing to people, but it's no wonder that so many people who actually set the glue traps themselves are the ones that bring stuck animals into Wild Care's Wildlife Hospital. In fact, almost a quarter of the patients that we've treated, that 100, I don't know, 102, I actually had a, that was a typo, 100 recent patients that we treated, a quarter of them were rodents, the intended targets, roof rats and house mice primarily. And Every single person that has come in with a rodent stuck on the trap is absolutely horrified at what they've done. The people will come into the wildlife hospital and they will say, I had no idea what this was going to do. They had no idea how the trap was actually going to work. And I think that is why these are popular. They're cheap, they're brightly colored, they're advertised as non-toxic, and you just can't imagine how this is going to actually work. I think, I think people think that the animal will get stuck and then just magically expire. And of course that isn't what happens. And when people see even their target species, the rodent stuck to the trap, they realize what an absolutely horrifying thing they've done by setting out that glue trap. And of course the majority, as, as our statistics said, the, the majority of our patients that come in stuck to glue traps are unintended victims like this crow. Uh, my friend Brittany was so excited when we were able to release him. She had been the one to peel him off that glue and give him all of the rehabilitation that he needed. And um, the little ring neck snake on the next slide, that little guy, he's a, he's a very small little snake. He's only about that big. And you'll notice that he is actually stuck to flypaper. So our, concerns, our issues, our problems with sticky traps go beyond those glue boards. It's actually any type of sticky trap uh, should never ever under any circumstances be used. So when an animal comes into the wildlife hospital that is stuck to a glue trap, that is your first priority. That is your A1 class emergency because you don't know how long the animal has been there. You don't know what he's got going on, you know, up underneath the surface. You have no idea in what bad condition this animal is going to be. You just know that he's stressed, he's terrified, he's 
completely exhausted and is going to be needing a lot of help immediately. This little scrub jay is uh, one of my favorites. It's one of my least disturbing pictures. He's pretty bright and cheerful, right? You can see him. And actually, um, his story is kind of interesting. So, I mean, look at the glue trap there. I, this, I just, I don't understand people. Can you imagine taking the time to sprinkle chocolate chips and buttered toast on something to go out and then stick animals to it? I don't get it. But he uh, had only been stuck for a short time and a young kid, I think he was like nine years old, had heard the scrub jay screeching and panicking and squawking and had poked his head into the neighbor's yard and seen this bird and had run back to get his mom. They grabbed the bird, brought him into wild care and we were able to treat him. And actually I got to release him. You'll see the release photo at the end here. So really, really cool. But he's a, he's a good case study to show how arduous it is to try to remove an animal from a glue trap. And, and also this is an opportunity for me to emphasize that if you ever find an animal stuck to a glue trap, please don't try to remove him yourself. It's very laudable that people do that. And I'm sure sometimes it does work, but the fact is they're gonna have internal damage. They're gonna have broken bones and feathers. They're gonna be severely dehydrated. Um, you're all the stress, all of those things are going to need treatment. We're able to do that in the wildlife hospital. Also, the, the way to get rid of the glue is to use an oil-based substance. We use mineral oil most of the time. We also have a soy-based paint remover that kind of works. Both of those are super oily. And it, birds, when they get oil on their feathers, they lose the ability to thermoregulate, so they can't control their own body temperature if they have oil. It's one of the reasons oil spills are so bad for wildlife. And so that needs to be cleaned off as well. So that whole process is really something that should be done by animal care professionals. So if you find an animal on a glue trap, get yourself to wild care as quickly as you can and, and we'll take care of him. So the first step is, of course, to put the animal under anesthesia. The, the stress and the terror and the anxiety and the amount of struggling that the animal has undergone before he was rescued is, is incalculable. And then all of a sudden you bring him into the wildlife hospital and even though we're trying to help that animal still sees us as predators. So very, very stressful for the animal to be removed as well. So the first thing we do is we'll put the animal under anesthesia so that he is able to relax and you can, you can see their bodies relax and it's just oh, it's a nice thing that we can do for them. When you're removing the animal from the sticky stuff, you want to make sure that he's not going to get restuck. You also want to make sure that you're not going to get stuck. If you've never touched one of these things, it is impossible to describe exactly how sticky they are. If you stick your hand in there, you have to really peel it off and the glue comes with you. It's tacky. It's not just like a solid substance. It's gooey. And so once you start removing the animal, every time you remove a piece of the animal, you'll slide a piece of paper or a paper towel under there to make sure that he doesn't uh, get restuck and that you don't get stuck as well. Um, and we'll use mineral oil or sometimes that soy-based paint remover. Mineral oil, I think, is the general go-to um, with a Q-tip and just, just kind of like wiping, you know, and then lifting and then wiping and then lifting. And um, occasionally you do have to snip the glue as well, like cutting the glue can be a good option. Occasionally you will cut some feathers. You have to make sure that you're cutting the contour feathers instead of any flight feathers. If flight feathers are broken, you have to keep the bird in care for months while he regrows them. So not cutting those is very, very important. But you can see in this picture, you can see uh, some of the some of the floofy feathers um, that have been trimmed a little bit in order to get that part of him unstuck. And you'll find as you go through 
as you unstick body parts, you'll find other parts of the animal that are unstuck. Um, that rat picture that I showed a couple of slides ago, he, uh, you know, his feet had got gotten kind of stuck behind him. And, you know, you'll, you'll get one body part stuck up and then you'll see another one, you know, collapsed and broken and horrible underneath. This scrub jay was very, very lucky that the way that uh, other leg got stuck under his body was not one that broke the limb. So, but uh, you can see that leg is thoroughly embedded in there and it's, it's just this, this long, lengthy, painful process of, of getting each individual piece of that animal up. And it, it's also an indication of how much the animal struggled when he first got set onto, or when he first landed on the glue trap in this scrub jay's case, probably after the chocolate chips. Um, the glue is extremely sticky, like I said. The, I, I wanted to use a video. It's funny. I wanted to use a video for this, but I know the connection can be a little tricky. So I decided to go with still photos. I have a wonderful video on Wildcare's website, which is discoverwildcare.org. Have a wonderful video on our website of a rattlesnake being removed from a glue trap. It's this huge glue trap, huge rattlesnake. It was a process, let me tell you. And, and if you want a really good video of a rattlesnake on a glue trap that was successfully removed and released, uh, go to discoverwildcare.org and do a search for rattlesnake and you can see that animal's whole story. Really pretty amazing. It's an incredible video. Um, but the process takes a very long time. The glue is really stretchy. You've got a one team member managing the anesthesia. Depending on the size of the animal, you may have two or three other people doing the actual removal. And I was talking to one of my med staff members, our actual wildlife hospital um, medical people. And I asked her what happens with animals that are on glue traps. And she wrote up something, which I'll read. I'll read pretty quickly. But uh, typically when an animal comes in after being stuck in a glue trap, we have to manage dehydration and some level of lactic acidosis, which can occur when being stuck in a trap for an unknown amount of time. Both of these require substantial fluid replacement, typically lots of subcutaneous fluids. We also, of course, have to manage any injuries that they have. Sometimes they get secondary skin infections from being on the glue and require antibiotics. We also have to be careful to manage any pain that they have, but meloxicam, which is an NSAID like Advil or um, Advil Midol, I think is, a, is another one, can be dangerous if the animal is dehydrated. I didn't know this. So often an opiate pain medication is safer because it doesn't affect the kidneys and liver in the same way. And then you have to get the rest of the glue off. Most animals will preen or groom, and that helps to some extent, but of course ingesting the glue is not ideal. We'll put cornstarch on them after they've been removed from the glue to keep them from sticking to their bedding and other surfaces. We will sedate if appropriate and give additional baths using Dawn dishwashing soap to take grease out of your way. It really does work. And sometimes you can mist the birds afterward to help them with their uh, re-grooming and re-waterproofing process. So, so many medical considerations to think about a single animal that has been stuck on this trap and the work that, that our team puts into it. I think it's um, just interesting to see all of the all of the stuff that we have to do when you have an animal that comes in this situation. Um, as Brittany said, once you actually get the bird or mammal or lizard or snake off the glue, uh, glue trap, the feathers are completely matted with glue still. So you have to use your oil to clean those. And then once you have to, once you've finally gotten all the glue off, you have to use that Dawn dishwashing detergent to then get the oil off and give the animals time um, about them cleaning the, the little bird's feet right here. I just thought that kind of, I love, I love bird's feet. I think they're so amazing and just how incredibly tangled and snarled and disgusting this poor bird was and how lucky he was to be rescued so quickly. Um, here he is after his uh, D 
trapping, de-gluing, and de-oiling, and he's still looking a little ruffled, but he was in care for about two weeks, and then I was able to take him out, and it's a particularly attractive photo of me, but whatever, uh, and here he is being released from his little box that we had him in, so really happy story there, and the young, I wish I had him in this picture. The young man that had rescued the bird was able to come, too, so he and his mom were there, so it's, uh, you know, most people, I mean, it, most people, when they see this happening, they realize how absolutely horrific this whole situation is. So, quick look at what happens in the wildlife hospital. Quick look at some really horrifying photos of animals that are in absolutely terrible shape, stuck on something that they should never have had to deal with. So, what can we do? Well, as Irina said, we have, uh, there's been some momentum on this, and I cannot tell you how excited I was to hear that some of the biggest retailers in the country have responded to both internal and external pressure. So internal from their own staff members and then external pressure from, uh, from animal welfare, well, welfare groups uh, to pull these incredibly cruel products off their shelves, both online and in stores. A Target actually just did this in June. They announced they'll be pulling glue traps from their shelves and also from their online store. Um, so there is huge momentum to make glue traps less accessible right now. Um, I pointed out some of the uh, some of the companies that I know we have in the Bay Area. I don't know if you guys have a Dollar General in San Rafael, but or in uh, San, San Francisco, but uh, a few of these a few of these we have. So really big retails and and retailers that affect us. So I'm I'm very glad to hear all of this. This is very fantastic, very much fantastic news. But this is not enough. Reducing the availability to the consumer of glue traps and sticky traps doesn't stop it, right? Wild Care's goal for many, many years, I worked at Wild Care for actually 20 years at this point, started in 2003, I guess it'll be 20 next year. Anyway, Wild Care's goal for many years has been to get glue and sticky traps completely off the markets and ultimately to have them banned at the city level, the county level, the state level, and ultimately beyond that. And that, of course, is one of the reasons that I'm doing this presentation. We, I want to help you start the conversation to propose a ban of the use of the and sale of these inhumane traps in the city of San Francisco. San Francisco is so often at the forefront of animal friendly legislation and we would love to see the city take this step. And um, banning glue traps actually does have some precedent. I wanted to point out our Cooper's hawk down here. He is stuck in fly, fly paper down to the lower left there. So he came in absolutely wrapped up in fly paper. He was probably trying to get another smaller bird that had gotten attached to the flypaper, showing yet again that it's not just glue traps, it's any sticky trap that is the real problem. So existing bans on glue traps exist in various countries. Um, it was kind of an odd mix of countries. I found it fascinating. So Ireland passed it in 2000, uh, Victoria and Australia, Washington DC does have a ban. It sounds like it's not terribly popular, but that's, that's okay. Um, New Zealand, India, apparently they passed a law banning glue traps in 2011, but they didn't enforce it. So in 2021, they revisited that and they are now talking about uh, actually enforcing that. And so, um, the Wales law, I think, is stalled as well, but in England, I was looking at articles, and England just passed the law, it just passed the law through the House of Lords. Apparently, it has to get royal assent before it's going to be put into law, and then it will go into effect in 2024. And um, so, an interesting array of, of countries and, and entities that have already taken this step to ban these. So, we know it's possible, and interestingly, England and Wales 
both follow the same, uh, their bands have followed the same sort of pattern that the New Zealand ban passed, uh, followed. Um, I would like to see an immediate ban, of course, but New Zealand approached this in a slightly more measured way. And I think that their information can inform how we approach government entities. So they started with kind of a lesser ban. It was banned to the public. They took them off public shelves. If you were a pest control operator, you could use them. If you were in food production, you know, contractor of the Department of Conservation, whatever. I thought the one um, about boat operators, that fourth one down in uh, close proximity to mammalian pest-free islands was an interesting uh, moment there, especially in light of the Farallon Islands in, in our area here. Uh, but then as January 15th, the glue traps were made completely illegal and you can't use them unless you have government approval and government approval is only granted if it's in the public interest, including for biosecurity, conservation, public health or animal health. And there is no viable alternative available in the circumstances. So oh, I, I did a click on that. Um, so this chart, which comes from the New Zealand Ministry for Primary Industries, shows the number of approvals for glue trap use that were given by the ministry over the course of those years. So it looks like a bunch in 2015, dropping down considerably as of 2021, none so far. And I, I'm not sure what date in 2021 that was, but obviously a significant decrease. What this shows is that pest control operators, people that had been using glue traps were able to find functional and viable alternatives. And that of course is one of our primary arguments for making these things illegal, inaccessible, and absolutely never allowing them to be used in any way. Um, I read a really interesting interview with a pest control operator in New Zealand. This was uh, in you know six years past the ban in 2015. And he said, yeah, we found functional workarounds for most of the things. And one of the things that glue traps are apparently used for quite frequently by pest control operators is to use them as monitoring devices. So I guess you just put out a bunch of glue traps and it gives you an idea of how many rodents are running around in, in whatever space you're gonna be doing your, your pest control in. Um, and in the interview, he said, uh, you know, the companies started more commonly using remote cameras instead of using glue traps. I'm like, well, good for you, sir. Right, remote cameras. Let's use a better, more a better alternative here. So, um, able to come up with alternatives to glue traps, even in a professional setting. Right. Let's let let's find workarounds here. There's no reason that we should be using these things. Um, but we're still going to have rodent problems. Certainly understand that. Uh, one of the things I love about wildcare is that we're pragmatic about this. But the fact is. The best way to deal with any wildlife issue, any nuisance wildlife issue, whether it's rodents or raccoons or skunks or whoever it is, is prevention. The fact is animals of all species are attracted to human habitations because our areas offer three things. We offer food, we offer water, and we offer shelter. And as long as those things are available, you're going to have animals showing up. And the fact is, you can kill as many rodents as you want, however you want to kill them, you can keep killing, but if you have something that attracts them to your property, you're going to keep getting rodents. Getting rid of what is attracting the animals is the only long-term functional solution to dealing with a, nu a nuisance rodent problem. So garbage, uh, as a homeowner, definitely a lot easier to do. I do know in the city restaurants, it drives me crazy when you'll have, you'll walk past a dumpster that has a perfectly functional lid 
and you'll see three bags of you know steamy disgusting garbage out just sitting next to the bin because the person didn't want to take the time or didn't wasn't able to take the time to toss them in the bin and there there needs to be an awareness that you have to contain your garbage if you contain your garbage you're not going to have our little rodent friend there finding food sources in your garbage if you are a store or if you have dog food or bird seed or something if you're a homeowner in your garage keeping those in metal cans with secure lids. I've seen rats chew through plastic, so plastic is not necessarily going to keep them out. Metal absolutely will. So um, just looking around your environment, whether it's your business, your neighborhood, your home, whatever it is, looking around your environment and thinking, what are the food sources for rodents here? Let's get rid of those and then you will absolutely get rid of the rodents. Picking up fallen fruit, taking bird feeders in at night, um, sweeping under them. We get a lot of calls on the wildlife hospital at the hotline um, of people saying that they have a problem with rats. And then, you know, first question, do you have a bird feeder? Oh, yeah. Do you sweep up the seed? Oh, no, of course not. Well, you're offering a food source. So I think it makes sense that uh, cleaning that up would help. I'm um, sorry. Let me check my time here really quickly. Um, so food is going to be one of the primary removing a food source is going to be one of the primary ways that you're going to control a rodent problem um, another is to remove harborage shelter safety for rodents uh, yard debris and trash big piles of stuff rodents love that cleaning that up getting rid of those log piles piles of debris uh, ivy is a really popular rodent highway so if you have ivy on your home and you're having issues with rats removing that and also ground cover uh, rats are prey, prey species, right? They're going to be eaten by just about anybody. So they don't like to run through the open. So if you have sheltering ground cover on your yard, you're more likely to have rodents running through. So getting rid of that is an option as well. So getting rid of that shelter, that harborage. Um, excluding them from your property. First step, go around your entire house, your entire property, and make sure that everything that should be sealed is sealed, all of your vent covers. Uh, and then closing up any entry points into your home at any point anywhere with metal, concrete, mesh wool, hardware cloth. You have to use half inch or smaller because rats can actually squeeze all rodents can squeeze into spaces that are the size of their skulls they're able to collapse their little shoulders down and, and squeeze into things which rats are incredibly adaptable if you you know don't have a problem with them you really can admire them but uh making sure that you have properly sealed access into your home you're not then providing shelter for them in that way and the, um, of course, you can include natural predators, especially if you live in uh, Marin or Sonoma, often an opportunity to have an owl box. Uh, a family of barn owls can eat as many as 3,000 rodents in a single breeding season. And if you're on our email list, you would have seen a story about some barn owls that were stuck in the roller disco, the Church of Eight Wheels. We put a barn owl box on the top of the church after we rehabilitated and released the owls. And I'm pretty sure they're nesting in there. So you guys have a population of barn owls in San Francisco. Don't use poison, obviously, but they are a great option for encouraging natural predators is a great option to reducing rodent populations as well. And then if you have a rodent inside your house and you have already sealed up all of the entry points, using a catch and release, release trap is really a viable option. Um, of course, that doesn't work if you haven't sealed up your house. It's also a good way to test if you've properly sealed up your house, because if the rat that you caught in the catch and release trap and put outside shows up in your house again, you know that you did not seal all the entry points.
good information to have. And then finally, wild care, if you have to use lethal methods, the ones that we recommend are the ones that kill quickly, humanely done, snap traps, uh, rat zappers, um, the ones that, that do a bolt through the head, they're, they're all horrible, right? But they are better, exponentially better than a glue trap could ever possibly be. And the, um, oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, and, and that traps should only be used indoors and traps also must be locked in tamper resistant boxes to prevent non-target wildlife from coming into contact with them. Um, but again, with the lethal met methods, you, you have to remember that you can kill as many as you want, but when it comes down to it, if as long as you have things that are attracting the rodents to your property, you are going to have an ongoing rodent problem. So prevention is the key. So there you have it, case against glue traps. I'm not sure how I'm doing on time. My timer actually did not work as well as I had hoped it would, but um, I Wildcare, of course, is an organization that sees this firsthand. We see it frequently and it is horrifying and traumatizing and heartbreaking every single time. And we arm ourselves and I can arm you with the knowledge that we can all make a difference in eliminating the use of these horrific cruel and inhumane devices. Uh, first of all, by never using sticky traps ourselves. Um, it's funny because I have a lot of people that are, oh yeah, I'm totally anti-glue traps, but they have flypaper out. And it's this recognition that that is that same concept. And we often end up with like hummingbirds, chickadees, birds coming in uh, that are stuck to flypaper. And that little snake was a good example as well. So sticky traps, not good. If you need a way to get rid of flies, use again, a, a, a zapper kind of thing that immediately ends the animal's life. Uh, you can take action by kindly informing friends and family. Um, apparently we're going to have this, this has been recorded. So you'll be able to show this presentation if useful and Wildcare's website discoverwildcare.org does have some resources as well for alternatives to glue traps and trapping in general. Um, and you always want to be kind about that. And then another way that we can take action is by politely informing managers of stores that carry these products that they need to stop. And a polite letter, speaking to them, it's really interesting that it must have been a lot of people all making the same requests to managers of Target stores that got those traps removed from Target shelves. And it, it shows that it really does work, even with big retailers. So Home Depot drives me crazy. They won't take it off their shelves. My little local hardware store hasn't done it either. So I keep lobbying that. And I think if we all lobby then and make our voices heard politely, then that is going to be a way that you can absolutely make a difference in this fight. And of course, another way that you can support the end of glue traps and these horrible, cruel deaths these animals are suffering is by support, supporting and promoting bans on what are truly some of the most inhumane products ever created. So I think we have some plans with that. Irina, you'll, I'll, I'll let you step in with that. And I am happy to answer questions. Um, absolutely anything I can do to help to make this possible. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. That was pretty amazing. A lot of great information. Um, and even for those of us who, you know, who, 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 you know, who, who find glue traps horrific and, you know, maybe aren't as articulate as far as trying to explain to people about them or try to make people knowledgeable, you, you covered a lot of information that basically provides you know, some good talking points to, to kind of bring people aware. And you also touched on as well, the fact that people, it's a lot of it is just awareness, it sounds like. 
you know, um, as you mentioned, so many of the of the of the poor animals that come in are basically from people who who laid out these traps and have no idea what it does, because again, you know, it's the way it's marketed and the way it's presented, it, it really masks the the reality of what happens, and you know, ultimately, no matter what uh, an inconvenience. A small animal is nobody wants this kind of fate upon them. So again, I really appreciate you putting this together for us and providing this information. Um, I know that we also talked about at some point, and I don't know if this presentation is available for us to post on our website. But if you do have anything as well, um, you know, if you can at some point forward it to me, I'll go ahead and I'd love to share it because I know that there are a lot of, uh, you know, us who would like access to it as well as some of our attendees who would like access to it. Definitely. Yeah, I will probably make my notes slightly more articulate and then I will send you a copy. <laughs> now they're pretty articulate as is, but yeah, whatever you can send us would be amazing. So thank you. Um, Commissioner, I, I um, Ozunoy, did you want to? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, does well, before I start uh, monologuing, does anybody have any questions for Allison? Well, Actually, my questions are, are, are not for Allison. Um, they're actually for Christopher Campbell and for Dr. Sherry O'Neill. Um, as you both probably, you know, work for different departments within the city. Um, can you tell me anything about your pest management um, products or processes? And is there any momentum within the city right now to you know, either department by department or a collective of departments that are also looking at this and and banning it uh, without without legislation, but banning it themselves. Uh, um, great question, Commissioner Tubman. Thank you. I don't know about um, Chris, but um, we contract with Pest Tech, and they come out and um, do our kind of um, pest control. I mean, we do have a lot of animal food and all that type of thing. So everything has to be closed up, sealed up. Um, we do occasionally get some mice issues. Um, I'm, I have to take a look around and see if they've put out any of the, the, they use, sometimes I've seen in the old shelter, they used to use the enclosed glue trap, but I haven't seen any out recently. Um, so I'd have to take a look around and see, but um, that's a city contract. Um, so I'm not sure I can ask what their, um, what their methods are. Um, I don't think we've ever caught anything actually. <laughs> so smarter it, than you think they're going I to mean, be. It can't be that effective. Right? Um, I mean, as far as what we get in here, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think. Uh, the pictures really um, make the case and I think those were some, those were probably some nice edited. Photos, honestly, I mean, the ones uh, that we get, I mean, I think the animal just panics and to your point about, you know, just covering the exposed part, um, you know, the more that they panic and roll around, the more feathers or fur or whatever it is that gets stuck and it just creates a, a giant headache. Um, and it does, it does take a lot of time and care to get them off. So, um, I don't know, but I, I say this, I assume that Pestec is probably, um, they have the, the city contract. Um, so I don't know if it's just us or um, other departments. Okay. Uh, so I can talk for the Rec and Park Department. I don't know the city at large, uh, what else is being done, but uh, we don't use sticky traps. We use snap traps. 
Uh, and we've been experimenting with a number of different approaches to address um, rats. Uh, we're trying a new approach where um, it makes them infertile, both the male and the female. Um, and I think we are having good results with that. And then we're also using, I think it's called rat ice. So it's dry ice and um, it's pumped into the, um, uh, the various openings. Uh, it's very difficult and time consuming to do, um, but we're trying a number of different experiments, especially in locations where we have uh, multiple problems with feeding, uh, with high density and lots of food on the streets and garbage, uh, where there's, there's a lot of that available. We also uh, contract with uh, Pest Tech, and I don't believe that they use, well, we don't do that for rats. We contract with them uh, for ground squirrels, um, and they live trap them and then euthanize them. Um, and um, I think that, and we also uh, use bait as well, so poisoning them. Um, and I know that that isn't always the best solution, but uh, some of the locations that uh, we have, um, there aren't other uh, great options. And I, I believe that we're moving away from that and our uh, approach is going to be more um, uh, to go into something that creates infertility. It's very short ter term. Um, I think it doesn't last long and they have to continue going into the bait boxes um eating that apparently it's delicious though so they do this has been very effective in other cities as well i'm really thrilled to hear that san francisco's using it great yeah it's a product called contra pest made by a company called senis tech and um they have been approved for rats they're working on a formulation for mice and it is um, yeah the poison up the food chain is such a problem so we're we're thrilled that this is a an option for for you guys because i certainly realize that a city is going to be a lot have a lot of problems with rats yeah and we haven't used the poison for years actually now that right. I that right um and then city at large i know that um um Public Works and PUC also contract out with Pest Tech. Um, so I think they're one of the larger vendors that are uh, able to uh, support the needs that we have in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious if they use glue traps. I think it's, uh, it's more common than I think any of us that hate them would think. I'll look into that and I will inquire as well. Please let me know. I will. That's, that's wonderful. I, I have one sort of follow up to that too. Christopher, um, if there's any opportunity within any of those that you're contacting um, to have Allison speak on this subject matter so that other departments are aware of some of these, of the, the cruelty of this and that um, if you're getting everybody rallying behind it in the city, city understands the collective issue of it. Um, there's, you know, we're mightier together on that too. So. Um, I would imagine, I don't know what the, how Washington DC did it 11 years ago and that no one else in the U.S. has done this, no other city. It, it, it's Not sort that of I could find in a Google search in a bunch of Google searches. Right. So, yeah. It's baffling to me. And, um, it's about time that somebody came up with, uh, another city leading this effort. I think others will follow suit. Agreed. Okay. 
Yeah, I actually spoke with um, Councilwoman Mary Che, C-H-E-H, -E from Washington, D.C., who was the author and uh, sponsor of, of this bill. Um, it also does actually provide that same uh, exception as with New Zealand for professional pest control operators who can, you know, uh, apply for a permit and so on. But um, uh, I think it definitely is something that we could do here. And I think that it actually is something obviously we should do here. I, all uh, matters of pest control aside and, and rats aside, I mean, I think the thing about these things is it's just absolutely inhumane. And every animal control officer I've ever spoken to has spoken to me again, you know, spoken out against it. It's horrifying. It's horrifying for people who encounter it. It's horrifying for the animal themselves. You know, I, I think in terms of costs, glue traps or uh, sticky traps, Cost about the same as snap traps. There's really no difference. There's maybe a couple cents difference. It's very, very cheap, right? Um, and so you can't argue that, oh, this is just such a much, you know, oh, it's so much cheaper. It's not. It's it's the same price essentially. But the cost really is this horrifying animal cruelty of watching these these creatures, whether intended targets or collateral targets, suffering intensely. Um, and, and dying horribly over days, days and days, not just as, as Allison said, so it's not that they step on the, on the glue and suddenly expire, right. but they spend days, you know, starving to death or hurting themselves or chewing their, their, their legs off. And I think it's, you know, I, I think there's no need for it. You know, I don't think there's, I, I don't think there's any real benefit, you know, to the city, to the public, to the animals, there is no benefit to it. I, I, I cannot, like, I, I'd like to find out, like, who would be pro watching an animal suffer, right? Like, who, who would be interested? And that's what I think, and I agree with Allison, that it's education, it's lack of awareness, it's the fact that these things are, you know, you go to Home Depot and it's a whole wall of them and it's, it's like a, a giant end cap display of these really, you know, attractive tomcat, you know, there's a cat and you're like, oh, okay, you know, I got to get rid of these mice and here's, perfect no fuss no muss just you know slap it down and i know for a fact that actually orkin does um does use them um anecdotally because my mom did have a mouse problem and she and you know she she they came to her house and they they're um they're like oh we'll just leave glue you know sticky traps around and of course she said no but it's it just doesn't seem i, I just it seems so inhumane and so counterintuitive that i and i that i personally cannot understand why anybody would want to use it if they understood the ramifications and all of the horrible, horrible things that happen when an animal gets trapped on, on a glue trap. Yeah. Yeah, I was interested to learn that that using them as a monitoring tool, I'm like, okay, there is a theoretical function for a glue, right? So I can kind of think that if you didn't have, a, you know, weren't thinking things through, and but there's so many viable op options to do that that do not involve something wretched and horrible like this, so. You know, yeah. and, and I mean, the, the other thing that I want to also point out that it's a horrible health hazard because mm -hmm. especially in food oriented, you know, in food service environments, they will, sorry to be graphic, but when they're on the trap, they will defecate, they will urinate, they will spread, you know, um, their droppings. And that's, and that's horror, you know, it's, 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 that's it's adding to the health, the health, um, the health risks quite. Need to add that to my presentation. I, mm -hmm. I, I did not, I should. Awesome. You know? um, so yeah, so where do we go from here? <laughs>
Yeah, um, all uh, great points. Um, I did have a question, I guess, for uh, Commissioner Ozenoy as well as um, Allison. And um, thank you, um, Christopher and uh, Dr. O'Neill, for for sharing um, what you what you're experiencing or what you're seeing in your departments. Um, kind of going back to like what you were saying, Allison, in your in your presentation um, about how you know it's only an extra step in which some of these restaurants could you know basically dispose of food or food matter in a proper way, you know. And kind of going back to what Dr. O'Neill said as well, you know, in volunteer work, um, I'm sure we've all experienced, you know, working either in a place where like they distribute food or working with animals. Um, you see that a lot of the nonprofits and a lot of these organizations, you know, they they put things, they stack things, they they store things correctly in such a ways that you know not to you know have these kind of problems. Now, granted, you know, of course it's not 100%, and of course, you know, there's still probably some issues that come up. But you compare that to like, let's say the sloppiness you see many times with some of the restaurants and, um, you know, in and all in that. Um, and I guess it's kind of like going back to awareness as well and trying to um, make people and businesses aware, um, you know, along those same lines, probably a restaurant, you know, will not, you know, spray for for infestation you know they won't they won't spray because they think that it's toxic and everything else and then you have the marketing of these glue traps in which it says it's non-toxic um i guess what i'm asking is where you know how 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 is how how do you go about like kind of changing those minds of some of these owners and some of these other people that kind of see it as that um any thoughts on that as far as you know um commissioner ozanoy when you know when you talk to the to the to the person from Washington DC or just in your in your discussions, um, Allison, um, you know, is there is there kind of a disconnect or or what are your thoughts on that? Or am I kind of just going off on a rant here that doesn't make any sense, but it's trying to kind of, you know, get that 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 thought there and kind of wanted to find out from you how 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 do we go about how does how does one go about addressing that and kind of talking to others about that on a on a grander scale, if you will. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Councilman uh, yes. Che didn't really have any, uh, unfortunately, uh, answers to that. She, and there was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of uh, negative press, you know, about the because I think what it was seen as was like, oh, she's pro rats. She wants rats to run around the street and take over, you know. And I think that's where that's where people really. Um, have that disconnect is because you know nobody wants you know food to be co you know, contaminated and so that's you know especially with restaurants and other food uh service establishments that, that are serving food or, or interacting with the public there's this connotation of rats being disease spreaders and there's you know there's all all this uh kind of i mean i personally love rats but the your average person isn't going to be like oh hooray there's a rat sitting on my plate right um, and I think that so it feeds to that kind of it, people's innate sort of revulsion, I would say, against rodents, against contamination. Um, and I don't think people think about it. Like they don't think, oh, you know, let's get rid of these rats uh, humanely or not. You know, they, they're like, oh, let's just get rid of these rats. Um, and then whatever is most convenient or most attractive and most marketed is what they're going to grab without really understanding that oh well this is inhumane and it's cruel in fact and it's gonna catch things that you're not planning to catch i mean i have so many stories just from random people that i've spoken to about kittens uh lizards you know hummingbirds as as allison mentioned um jays like uh 
nuthatch. I mean, all these things that are just kind of like getting getting in there and um, like actually skunk. You know, all these all these animals that are like uh, getting trapped and getting getting you know uh, injured. So yeah, I think I think just to summarize, I think it, it comes from a lack of knowledge and kind of the culture of convenience where you don't want contamination, so you just grab whatever is is there to you know to try to mitigate the problem. It's interesting because I think uh, you know we we've looked at this a lot and and we have approached it. Wildcare has approached it. We, we, every time I get one, I'm like, all right, we're got to do a glue trap campaign again, right? So, um, I think part of our problem, of course, is that we're preaching to a choir to a certain degree. That that anyone that's getting our emails, anyone that sees our newsletter, these are these are all people that already like wildlife, right? So you're you have kind of a not a lot of overlap into to people that need a whole lot of convincing on this. Um, we have done letter writing campaigns, uh, sending, but I, in general, the way that we have found that would be the most effective if we could just make it happen across the board is to that top down approach, not making them accessible. Right, because I don't think I'm ever going to be able to convince the owner of the cafe down the street that he needs to stop that he needs to take better care of his garbage right like i mean that that i just don't know that that's going to happen he's like i don't know it's fine um and so i hate to say it it sounds paternalistic but this idea of like just take it out of people's hands and i think that it it is actually easier to convince and it's not easy in any way shape or form but it is actually easier to convince government entities and managers of retailers than it is to convince people on the ground to voluntarily not use things. So um, that's that's been our experience. Certainly that was our experience with our rodenticide campaign, anti-rodenticide campaigns as well is, uh, you know, getting, you know, Joe, Mr. Public to stop using poison is really, really challenging, but you take poison away from him and all of a sudden he's like, oh, maybe I should put my bird feeder away, you know, whatever. So it is um, a, the reality of trying, even if, even if it doesn't succeed, the reality of trying to make a ban is a way to get public awareness out. And I think, you know, so that top-down approach would be, would yeah. be what we would, would recommend. Good points. Thank you. Thank you both for, for responding. Yeah. To the question. I, I've been working with some animal law um, uh, people to uh, draft um, a proposal. Um, I mean, that's basically what Councilwoman Che did in Washington D.C. She just, they, you know, drafted a proposal and basically asked for the world, and then they were able to to reach, you know, a reach uh, a compromise that did include the the caveat of uh, professionals being able to, you know, to do this. I just, um, but unfortunately, yeah, the proposal isn't quite ready, and I feel like we do still have to do a little more groundwork. To your point, Chair Torres, like. And yours, uh, Alton, as well. Like going from the the top down is probably going to be a lot more effective than than kind of trying to um, change the hearts and minds of you know people because there's people and this 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 surprises me, but there are people that do not care for animals, um, and and obviously this whole commission is you know we're not that audience, but there are people that just want them out of their space. They just want them out of their house. They don't want to see, you know, they don't want to see a gopher in the yard. They don't want to see a, a crow on the fence. They just want to live in a sterile, you know, environment untainted by wildlife and they don't care, you know, or, or when people move to Marin and then say that we're like, yeah. where did you think you were moving? Yeah. You know, 
Like, but yeah, people are shocked that there's urban wildlife, but there's so much urban wildlife, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of, I think that it, as far as, you know, my own next steps in my, you know, my, my work with this is that, uh, to get the language kind of legally buttoned up and see, and see what, uh, what we can do from that. That's wonderful. We are thrilled. Yeah, great. Great. But, um, but also, I feel like we should keep on discussing it um, as a commission to see, you know, if others have ideas of how we could approach this or what. And, and the other thing, too, I, I mean, you know, like, let's say it's successful and San Francisco City and County does, you know, uh, uh, you know, we, we make a legislative, um, uh, you know, uh, gosh, the word is escaping me, but like, we, we suggest the BOS that they, you know, they prove this, um, this, this. But then someone could just go down to San Mateo County to the, the Home Depot down there and grab like their giant value pack of, of sticky traps. But yes, um, but in passing the law, we have spread yeah. awareness. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's little tiny steps. I've discovered again working at Wildcare for 20 years, it's like you're you're just it's it's rare that you get a sweeping triumph. You're like, you're like one like if I can get my darn hardware store in my neighborhood to stop selling these darn things, that's a triumph, right? It's 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 little things and, and this would be the opposite of little. This would be incredible. Wonderful. Great. Um, do any other commissioners have any questions or anything that they'd like to? Yes, uh, um, Commissioner um, Forte. Yes, thank you. I have a quick question. I um, while we were speaking, I looked up the contrapest. I went to their website, and it seems that the contrapest um, rat birth control is only available for commercial use, and it doesn't really have any sort of um, costs listed and i'm curious allison if you know um you know when, when you're talking to cold-hearted bureaucrats um, <laughs> one way to get their intention is with money savings and also um to your point um commissioner ozenoid some people just don't care about animals and don't want to see them and and this solution seems to um provide an opportunity to number one pests, at least the rats, never even show up. And then secondly, if I have to believe that it's got to be more cost effective than than sending someone out. And even if the traps themselves um, are, are inexpensive, there's the labor component where you have to go and then you have to retrieve them and the guy has to come back and pick, you know. So I'm wondering if anyone knows anything about the cost of the birth control contra pests. You know what I got my parents for Christmas last year? Rat birth control. Oh. I, I can find the link. Um, I And they actually reordered it. So it is available to consumers. Um, do just a bit more Googling or I'll find the link and I can send it to you. Um, okay. And I think we got the initial kit with the initial dosing for like $70 and then refills are like 30 or something. And it it does get expensive guys i think you're if you're if you have a large population of rats i think you're going through that amount every month month and a half um one of my coworkers is actually trying it in her yard and i will probably have a better idea of what they're spending they kind of have like they have a water source they have a lot of sort of rat habitat but um after i think they just started it she and her mom so um, and do we know anything about the commercial um, costs? Because I understand there must be more economies of scale if you've got if you're buying in bulk, and then again, exactly. you don't have to have deploy that manpower. I would think that that the cost savings. Yeah, could, I don't know, but you yeah. have not seen evidence of this. 
Um, well, it's interesting. So, uh, first of all, you have your pest control companies that their entire business model is based on having to come back over and over oh, yeah. again, right? Oh, yeah. So they're not doing the things that need to be done to exclude rats from, of course not. Um, and in some ways, this uh, kind of doesn't solve the problem because it is an ongoing application. You have to keep refilling. I think it's probably a lot less work. You probably, instead of three techs, you probably need one dude that comes out every mm -hmm. couple of weeks or every couple mm -hmm. of months or month or whatever. Um, but it is still a maintenance thing. And it's kind of funny because I, I spoke to the woman that developed, one of the people that developed the product. And she was like, actually, that's one of the selling points is that it is a maintenance thing. So companies aren't going to be put out of business by this necessarily. They're going to be able to maintain contracts, right? So there's that. Um, I don't know anything about the commercial costs. Um, that is, uh, that would be, yeah, that would be a question for them. But it, it is really funny because my parents have a bird feeder that they don't clean up very well. And they're like, oh, we have rats. And I was like, yeah, y'all know how to fix that, don't you? And they're like, but we love the birds. So that was my Christmas present to them. And they said it worked. They said, oh, yeah, we haven't had nearly as many. So um, I, I'm I, familiar uh, with the uh, customer side, not from the. I see. Side. Well, Mr. Ozenoy, as, as you continue your research, I'd be happy to figure out that part of the puzzle. Um, it seems like if we're going to make any sort of proposals, you have to um, have have alternatives. And it, it doesn't address the mice, right? It's just the rats from what I, but. Yeah, the contrapest is not yet approved for mice. It's actually one of the things with the Farallon Islands. It was one of the things and they're working on getting approval for, for, uh, for mice, but I don't think they're there yet. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think if, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand and make everything better, I would, I would wave the exclusion wand over the, you know, everybody so that everybody, you know, gets 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 rid of that food, water and shelter that's attacked, attracting the rats. But as an alternative solution, this is certainly the best one. And the research that's been done has shown that it does not travel up the food chain. The life in the body or the half life or whatever it is in the body of the rodent is so short as to not even affect other mammal predators. Um, they seem to have done the research. I think they're uh, I think it's a good product. Great. Well, thank you for clarifying all that. Yeah. Excellent. And yeah, that would be, I would really appreciate it. That would be great. Mr. Fortier, we could band together and do the research on that. Great. Any other uh, questions? We're open up for public comment. Okay. Um, seeing none. Um, I will open this up for public comment. Um, members of the public who wish to make a comment on this agenda item should hit star three on their phone to be added to the speaker's queue. Um, okay, I see a couple hands up. Some of them may be from, okay, I see one hand up um, and that may be an older, actually, I see a couple hands up. I'm gonna go ahead and unmute you. Um, and you can let me know if that's a hand from the previous discussion or if it's, you know, if you have, if you don't have a comment to make for this agenda item, just let me know, okay? Okay, you're unmuted. Do you have a comment to make? Yes, I would just, this is Nadine May again, and I would just like to thank the Animal Commission for caring about issues that affect not only our pets, but all animals. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, going on to the next speaker. 
Okay, you've been unmuted. Would do you have a comment you'd like to make? Hi, this is Maria. I actually that was my hand up, I guess, from before, but I did want to say that um I do support the ban of the glue traps and thank you for the very interesting um presentation. I learned a lot. So that's it. Thank you. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you for the comments and the support. Um okay, well uh Allison, <laughs> thank you again so much for being with us tonight. Um, again, we're inspired by your compassion and all that you and Wildcare do um, to help our wildlife. Um, so um, this is something that will be ongoing. I'm sure that we'll probably continue with the discussion at our next meeting, and hopefully we'll be able to see you again at some point um, to, you know, to continue to, to help us with this. Okay. Anything but, I can do. Absolutely. So I'll sign off now. Thank you, everybody, great. so much. Thank you so this was much, such Allison. a pleasure. Thank you, very thank much. you Allison. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. And uh, thank you as well, um, Commissioner Ozenoy, for, for arranging this. It was an amazing presentation, and I look forward to, to us working further on this, all of us together. Okay. Uh, so, okay, moving on to old business. Um, reporting from Animal Care and Control. Um, animal Care and Control will report regarding outcomes for animals and ongoing operations. Um, Dr. O'Neill, please feel free to start your report when you're ready. Okay, I will start with the overview of what we've got today. So on site, we have 16 birds, 106 cats, um, 62 dogs, and 45 others, so a total of 229 in care. So it's a lot. Um, we did have a um, pretty good clip of adoptions of cats and kittens on, I, I wanna say Tuesday. There was like 11 that all went in one day, which was great. Um, so cats and kittens are getting a little bit better. Um, we've had a lot of um, underage kittens and some moms with kittens come in and, um, Sadly, quite a few of those, I think there were up to 20 are in isolation for either respiratory infection or ringworm or both. Um, so that's kind of slowing us down a little bit. Um, still got plenty of guinea pigs and rabbits. Um, that room is full and we're overflow. They're sharing space in the wildlife room um, for the moment. Um, let's see what else. Um, so starting July 5th, um, SBCA Shelter Medicine um, finally got their surgery suite like up and running. And so we're on a different um, system for animals that we send over for spay and neuter. So instead of just sending two a day, we're usually sending more like five or seven, which is great. Um, it's been a great relief for us here to kind of get the animals moving along. Um, we had two new animal uh, care attendants start on I think they started on the 5th or the 6th after the holiday. So that's great news. Um, we hired a new deputy director. So Captain Corso will now be the new deputy director when she's back from maternity leave in January. So that's great news. I think she will be excellent in that position. Um, but then, you know, that leaves space <laughs> in her current position um, and the ACO. So um, they're still working pretty short. Um, and I say uh, Captain Corso's out for several months, so everybody's kind of taking over new um, roles at this point. So they're stretched pretty thin. Um, and then we do have, I think, 
So I think we're up to six um, summer interns on the mayor's program, the opportunities for all the high school students. So I have two with me in the vet room, and then there are four others that are um, working with the animal care attendants in the shelter. So that's been great to have them here. Um, other than that, I, I think um, you guys are well aware of the, the media about the shelter being full and all that type of thing. It's um, lots of surrenders, housing issues, um, same, you know, same kind of issues that we normally are having. Um, and then we've even had two, um, we've had a lot of young puppies actually too, which is unusual. I mean, there's a season for kittens, but puppies just kind of happen randomly. But we've had two um, moms with sets of puppies um, recently too. So there's a little maternity ward going on down the hall <laughs> from me. But I think the puppies are finally old enough. Um, we um, kind of separated mom and puppies uh, yesterday. And uh, hopefully some of them will be up for adoption and some of them will go to transfer partners. So that's kind of the numbers and um, update. Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much for the report. Uh, Commissioner um, Forte, you had a question? Yes. Thank you for that update. Two quick questions. Number one, are you able to transfer out to your partners? Or are they also feeling um, strained? And number two, I guess no one else is going to ask. What about the TV show? Oh, um, so number one, yes, our transfer partners are pretty full as well. Um, SBCA has been doing a great job of helping with the cats and kittens. The dogs are moving a little bit slower. Um, the smalls is. It's the same everywhere. Everyone is really full of the pigs and rabbits. So, um, I mean, they're just having a really long length of stay. I think our longest term rabbit finally got adopted last weekend. I think he's been here since March. Um, so I, we're not able to transfer any of the, the smalls out. Um, and the, the dogs are moving slowly, but they're moving. I, I think everybody's kind of in the same boat. I mean, I see um, certainly in my Facebook feed comes up shelters all over the country saying we're full and we're going to waive adoption fees and all kinds of things to try and get the animals moving out. Um, and then, you know, there was that story about the thousands of beagles that were removed from that lab. I think they have 4,000 they need to place in the next couple of weeks. So at least we don't have that in our lap. <laughs> So they're kind of struggling with that on the East Coast. Um, so, you know, odd things happen like that where you get a big influx, but we're slowly digging out from under it. We'll see. Oh, and second question. Um, I don't know. I have not heard anything more about the TV show. Um, I know that there was a group that wanted to follow, specifically follow um, Officer Pone. Um, and they were going to do a more in-depth, like, more personal, like about her personally and just um, things like that. I I wrote down when that was going to happen, but I don't remember when they're going to start filming that. I think at the end of July. Um, and they're going to, it's a PBS show. It's different than the, the other thing. So it's more focused on her and I know they're going to, um, she's kind of in charge of, wildlife and coyote issues while Captain Corso is out. So I think that's their angle with her. 
Thank you. Um, any other questions from commissioners before we open up for public comment? Okay, um, I'll open it for public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a comment on this agenda item should hit star three on their phone to be added to the speaker's queue. I see one hand up, uh, but I'm gonna check to see if this is maybe one from the previous um, agenda item. Okay, and if it um, if you don't have a comment, just let me know. Okay, and oh, it looks like we don't have any comments right now. Let me just double check again, just to make sure. Okay, I am not seeing anyone in the speaker's queue now, so we can close public comment. Okay, thank you, Dr. O'Neill, very much for your report. Uh, okay, so moving on to commission governance. Uh, the commission will vote on a resolution allowing to continue to meet remotely. Okay, so tonight we are going to vote again on the resolution to allow us to continue to meet remotely. Uh, the resolution making findings to allow teleconferenced meetings under California Government Code Section 549 53E, um, as the resolution covers a 30-day period, this resolution we will vote on tonight will apply to tonight's meeting as well as our August meeting, which will be held on August 11th. Uh, the text of the resolution has been uploaded to our website as a supporting document uh, for tonight's meeting and a copy of it was forwarded to commissioners earlier this week. Are there any questions um, concerning it before we open up for public comment and then vote on the resolution? Okay, uh, seeing none, let's see if there's anyone in the speaker's queue. Okay, I don't see any hands raised, so we can close public comment and go on to the vote. Um, okay, when I call your name, please state yes if you're in favor of approving the resolution. Um, this is for teleconference meetings, or no if you are not in favor. Uh, Commissioner Chan? Yes. Commissioner Fortier? Yes. Commissioner Irani? Commissioner Ozenoy? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Tobin? Yes. And Commissioner Van Horn? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, the resolution is approved. Okay, and then moving on to agenda item seven, items to be put on the agenda for future com commission meetings. Okay, our next meeting will be held on Thursday, August 11th. This meeting will be held remotely. Uh, please reach out to me by the Friday before our next meeting with any proposed agenda items and any supporting documents. For our next meeting, that date will be Friday, August 5th. Uh, the agenda and any supporting documents will be uploaded to our website, sf.gov forward slash animal commission by the Monday evening before the meeting. So for our next meeting, that date will be Monday, August 8th. Next month's agenda will include a discussion on the animal admissions policy at SF Animal Care and Control a discussion on companion animal abductions with the presentation by animal advocate Colette Dunlevy, and ongoing reporting and sharing of news and special events from the SF Animal Care and Control um, to include the April through June 2022 quarterly reports. Uh, do any commissioners have any questions or anything else to add? I have uh, one. Tobin? We had originally invited um, Kelly Hendricks of Project Coyote uh, I'm going to reach out to her to see if she's okay with coming in September instead, because I know that'll be a pretty busy meeting. So, uh, just so everybody knows that I think we talked about that before. Yeah, and I mean, if if we do add her, that that's fine. So just let us know. You know, we'll we'll talk more about it. Okay, great. For thanks for bringing that up. Any other questions or or comments? Okay, 
Okay. Um, if there's nothing further, we can adjourn. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for attending. And thank you for your patience as I work through my technology issues at the beginning of the meeting. Um, okay. It is uh, 7.05 p.m. and we are now adjourned. Okay. Good night, thank everybody. You. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson Torres. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone.